It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie brings us more Shatterstar news, Mikey thanks Machine Man for his contributions to society, and we see the kids aren't alright in Runaways, Pride and Joy. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode number 10. We've moved into the triple digits. Well, triple digits. I've already started. This, this isn't bad. I've already started. This is Charlie, like... Charlie is bad at math again. <laughs> double digits. We're in the double digits now. If we were in yes. the triple digits, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, maybe we are in like some obscure form of numbering but it's not this one no no it isn't it's like i think if we were in octal we would be in triple digits maybe (laughs) don't quote me on that or on another planet i don't know just different numbering systems i don't know okay well it's been another extremely harrowing i would say harrowing week what would you call it mikey Uh, i think it was all right (laughs) i mean i went back to work that was okay Yes. It's only harrowing because I had to edit the episode during the week. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. It happens. It's the Super Bowl's fault. Yes. <laughs> Blame really. the superb owl. No, but it is, um, it's been a week of more news, like more like news that I got that I wasn't necessarily w- wasn't expecting to get whatsoever. Yeah. So we had a good trailer and a bad trailer this week, I think. Yeah, I was expecting some sort of Deadpool trailer, and then I watched the Deadpool trailer, and or the Deadpool 2 trailer, excuse me, and I was like, I Cable, this is good. Domino, this is good. I was taking screenshots. Like, I watched it through once, and then I went back to take screenshots because I wanted to get... The thing I was interested in was Domino's outfit, and then I took a screenshot of them and the helicarrier thing, and you're like, who's that in the background? I'm like, I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then, like, we started thinking, like, they're wearing, wh- he's wearing white. And you're like, no, no way. And then there was a clearer picture because, funnily enough, the US trailer was actually very murky. Yeah, it was. The in between frames were not very clear. I don't know how they encoded it, but it was, it was not good. But the international trailer, in addition to having, an additional couple scenes, one of which is Colossus and Wade hugging and Wade grabbing Colossus's ass, which is pretty funny. <laughs> it also has a much clearer shot of them in the back of that plane or helicopter or whatever they're in. And it was really obvious then. Oh, and they also have the scenes of everyone like doing their guns and uh, weapons, yeah, weapons and stuff much more clearly which i think that gives it i think okay the other one gives it away but that one gives it away way more oh yeah absolutely without a doubt yeah so shatterstar is in deadpool 2 i guess in 2018 i'm gonna have to (laughs) 
going to have a movie. I can't even believe this. Like, it is extremely difficult for me to believe that this is actually real. I mean, the funny thing is, we were like, so Cable's going to be in this one. What if there was an X-Force? And you're like, it'll never happen. Shatterstar will never be in a movie. I'm still, like, boggled. They're going to have to change. This is this is the whole podcast now, guys. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to change something. Welcome to The Young Ones, our podcast on Gavidra 7, a.k.a. Shatterstar, a.k.a. Shatty Buns. <laughs> I mean, this would be a podcast that I would. I know. Do. I'm not going to lie. I know. <laughs> They have to change something. They have to change well, right. something. Okay, so what we know is the actor's name is Louis Tan, who was one of the folks that was originally being optioned, I guess, for Iron Fist. Yes. And they ended up going with uh, Sir Lancelot Fancy Pants. I can't be bothered to know his name. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. I don't actually remember his. All I know is he played Sir Loras in Game of Thrones, but we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones again. Yeah, we already went there. Well, I cut it out of the podcast last yeah. week. Spoiler alert. I mean, we talked around it, so whatever. Yeah, it's better that way, trust me. Yes. So so he's Shatterstar. Like, listen, I don't know if you looked so much up enough. That might be my first listen of the podcast. I don't know if you looked it up, but he is, he's so he's, he's British, mm-hmm. but... I watched the scene of him in Iron Fist because I have not watched Iron Fist because I don't care. Right. But I had to tune in to like see this. Oh, so he was still in the show. Yeah, he was he was in a he was like a bit character in a fight, basically. Oh, okay. Cause they I guess had to make him feel better about himself. I guess. I don't know. And he's got this he's got a British accent, but he's also Chinese, so he's got a British accent that is got a strange like lilt on the end of it. Because he's got a Chinese accent, too. Mm-hmm. And it ends up sounding, like, British, but, like, kind of also very bizarre at times. And I'm like, I don't know, man. That's perfect. <laughs> like, if it sounds weird, that's... I don't know if they're going to keep it. I don't know what they're going to do. But, like, that sounded, like, perfect to me when I thought about it. And I was... <sighs> having a time. I'm sorry. I'm trying to watch this scene now. I can't take it seriously because... The character of Danny Rand looks so ridiculous in that fucking show. He's like... <laughs> Does his hair remind you of, like, Justin Timberlake's hair back when he was in NSYNC? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So he also reminds me of every time that I've played in a role-playing game and I'm like, I'm sneaking. And the GM is like, how are you sneaking? You're out in the open. And I'm like, I have a hoodie on. The security cameras can't see who I am. Like, that's what Danny Rand is to me in that. Like, he's got this hiking hoodie over his face because it's a high-tech, like, frou-frou hoodie. It's not just, like, a normal hoodie. It's, like, something that you would wear to, like, a yoga class. And he's got it, like, over his eyes. So it's, like, no one knows who I am. And it's, like, (laughs) like, they can still see you. You're not, like, obscuring yourself. You're not a Sith Lord. No, Danny, uh, he, he, he rolled badly on his stealth roll. So he got like, he got, he got like a five. Also charisma. Also charisma. (laughs) Also like everything. (laughs) That's like, can I re-roll? And the GM's like, no, you're stuck with this character. And you're like, ugh. I guess, I guess I'll make it work then. Right. That's basically the entire show of Iron Fist, as I understand it. As I've said in previous episodes, I refuse to watch it. 
Yeah, I had to watch that scene because it was like linked and I was like, okay. And then, yeah, uh, I'm excited. Like I was dubiously, I was like, uh, and I'm kind of still like uh, about it. But I don't know, like if they got an actual martial artist and a man who actually like, I think I really appreciate them casting him as like an Asian man, actually, mm-hmm. like that's a really good thought. The more I think about it, then I, I we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Because well, he's like he's like a mutant genetically engineered alien boy. So like even if they don't have him have I know the you had some fan art of him with like a bad stash and red hair, but still Lewis Tan. But like even if he doesn't have red hair, I don't think He's got like, red hair, Mikey. Oh, does he? He's got red do hair. Do you have a do you have a picture? I have a zoomed in photo, yes. Okay. So, all right, red hair confirmed. He's got he's got a red long a long red ponytail that's going down the front of his outfit. Incredible. All right. It's inc- it's yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. That's that's <laughs> extremely good. But I was going to say like even if he didn't have the red hair, I feel like that would still work. Oh, it would work. Yeah. Even if it was just long black hair because it's not integral to the character of Shatterstar, so... Hair's very important to him. Yeah, I... No, I... Under, yeah. Like, the hair is, but, like, his actual appearance and, like, ethnicity is not. Yeah, exactly. Which I, I think I, like, really like that. Like, I really like their casting choices in this movie. Yeah. Honestly. I just want to know who that guy on the left is, because, like, I have, like, five guesses. Yeah, I... And it's impossible to know exactly who it is. It's impossible to know. Like, I've seen Chamber floating around, which would be pretty cool. I've seen a couple other things that I'm not too familiar with floating around, too. Yeah, who is the guy that I pulled out? I can't remember his name. He was one of the original. Are you talking about, like, like Solo, who was in Deadpool's Works for Money series that was recently? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's who you pulled out, but it'll be interesting. I wonder if we'll get, since we kind of know what's going on, I wonder if we'll get, like, character vignettes before the trailer vignettes before the movie. I I sure hope so. I, I hope, hope so. they do like a like an A team. Yeah, or that would be absolutely amazing. Hogan's hero style, like this is who the team like is. Meet like meet colon whoever. Yes, exactly, exactly. It would be so good. Or like your team fortress too. Yeah, God. Like just more more things need to have the kind of trailer intros to the characters that Team Fortress Two had. Like, say what you will about what that game became or the state of Valve today as, like, a developer. The original TF2 trailers, even if you didn't play the game, were so good at getting to know the character in very little dialogue and in a very unorthodox way. Yeah. Well, speaking of good trailers and bad trailers <laughs> how about that how about that venom trailer how about that trailer for can't even... an unknown movie starring tom hardy so you know how last week i was talking about how being mediocre is almost worse than being bad yes that venom trailer falls squarely in that category of being so mediocre you literally if you wouldn't have told me it was venom even with the symbiote cartridge, like, you couldn't even tell. That could have just been a plot MacGuffin. Yeah. Without knowing that it was Venom, if you took that, if you edited that out, you would literally not be able to tell that that trailer was a superhero movie because it's so generic. It's, it's really bad. Yeah. What a bad week to release that. Right, exactly. Like, did, you think, did you think that was going to blow everybody away? I don't know. I don't think they were, they were thinking or they probably... These things take time, so they probably did not plan. This is just probably the week after the Super Bowl 
where all of those movies get their trailers and it just happened to be really bad luck on their part. But however, in in the Young Ones Discord channel, we did happen upon a much better solution. So the main <laughs> one of the main problems with that trailer is Tom Hardy is a known dog enthusiast. There are no dogs or any other kind of animals in that trailer. What if the movie starred, quote unquote, Tom Hardy, but so, you know, Spider Pig, what if there was Venom Dog and it's just Tom <laughs> Hardy with the dog that has a symbiote? And then it's like, what if there's a bunch of different symbiotes because, you know, there's precedent for that in Marvel and also Clone Saga and whatnot. What if there's a bunch of different symbiotes and different dogs and they all manifest different ways? And Tom Hardy has to deal with all these dogs. And then one of them is just a normal dog. Probably a pit bull, I think, is what we decided. So, like, imagine, like, a really fat, lazy corgi that also has a venom symbiote. And it just, like, rather than use its actual legs, it just venom crawls up the stairs. This is a much better movie already. And, like, reaches its tongue out to get a treat that it's too lazy to hop for. Yeah, it's more of that, please. Yes. And then you could have a spider pig crossover and maybe even Howard the Duck and, you know, Squirrel Girl. Like the possibilities are endless. I mean, it opens up. It opens up many possibilities. Right. Exactly. But I'm telling you that aside, movie trailers aside, that's not maybe what you came here for. I mean, maybe it is, but maybe it is. But you all came here for uh, more Runaways content. <laughs> I mean, or more Shatterstar content. But honestly, we covered that already, too. So I mean, it, let, let's just let's just clear the air. That is going to be a part of every single podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's happening after not happening for so long. Yeah. It'd like, be the same thing if a new Young Avengers ongoing was announced. Exactly. It's, it's a shame that I'm not super into the Ant-Man movies. I am open to the new Ant-Man and the Wasp. I like that concept better. Cassie is in that in some capacity, yes. but... That's not, she's not like a super big role. She's just like his motivation to be a decent human being. So I'm kind of eh on, you know, on that. And I guess we'll see, I guess we'll see with the Avengers movie where they cast those twin boys. Oh, Jesus, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm very uh, hesitant about the Avengers. Like the one thing that I can get super psyched for is Black Panther because that's going to be awesome. I knew it was going to be awesome just from the way that people like the way that people working on the movie were talking about it. You could tell that it was something that they really cared about and were putting real thought and energy and effort into making not only a good movie, but a movie that's true to the spirit of like who the Black Panther is as a character, the most recent run, Afrofuturism, the whole nine yards. But that's going to be a good movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited for that and really excited for Deadpool. But the rest of the stuff, I'm like, eh. I was really burned by the last couple Avengers movies. Civil War was okay, but, you know, it was a, it was a decent action flick. It didn't, like, move me in the same way. Even that Captain America, the one with Buck, Cap Captain America Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier? Yeah. Yes, thank you. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Sorry, I had to bring up Black Panther because I don't know. I don't know if we're going to go see it this weekend, but definitely. See, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where we end up. Yeah, we saw Deadpool last. So Charlie's coming down for Katsukon. We did. We actually saw Deadpool the last time you were down here. 
Yes. Yes, we did. At that horrible oh, God. movie theater in the other world. <laughs> the Ruby Tuesdays that was out of sync with the rest of time. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was like, yeah. yeah, it was literally like an episode at Twin Peaks. And then I went to drive out of there and I literally almost drove into the Anacostia River because... It was just like right there and there was nothing blocking you off. Bad. And then there was a road that just went into like nothingness. It was very strange. It was bad. I've only had a couple like out of body surreal type experiences in my life. And that was definitely one of them. That was absolutely one of them. But Lord, Lord, let's get back on topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so runaways. Today, as we left off last time, we covered Runaways number one and two from volume one last time. And we ended on our good friend, the cliffhanger. So Mikey, would you like to give us a summary of what happened last time? Last time on the runaways, we met everyone. So the runaways are Alex Wilder, who is an African-American 16-year-old boy who we started seeing playing a role-playing game. He is the Captain America player, by the way. Oh, yeah. So the leader of the team on his role-playing guild, at least. And he and his family were having a gathering that we saw all the other characters getting ready to go to. The other characters being Gertrude Yorks, who is 15 years old, who has purple hair and matching purple glasses that kind of have a grandma vibe to them. And she's very into language and like elocution, I guess you'd call it. She likes to have philosophical arguments. And her parents kind of encourage that. And her parents have probably the worst design sense I've ever seen in a pair of human beings on or off the page. Absolutely. And they possibly have some problems in the fourth dimension. Yes. Yes, the so, fourth dimension. Yes, the fourth dimension, the scariest of all dimensions, because they're actually horrible people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the worst. They're like clearly the worst. And... We also have Carolina Dean, who is 16 years old, blonde hair, blue eyes. She and her parents are all vegan. Her parents are both Hollywood actors and also maybe have some off-world dealings, as we learned. Maybe. Maybe. There is also Chase Stein, who is 17, who we saw getting punched by his weird deliverance dad in his gym for being a dumb jock and getting straight C's. And he also has a weird obsession with true crime and white panel bands and maybe also conspiracy theories. And his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Stein, aside from wearing welding masks to an important function, also are maybe inventors of some kind or another. We're not really sure. They had some kind of device. Then we also have Molly Hayes, who is 11 years old. She's the youngest of the group. She's the baby. And she's also the one that no one ever wants to deal with. And her parents, Dr. and Dr. Hayes, of course, they're Dr. <laughs> and Dr. Hayes, yeah. are wearing some like kind of weird ninja attire and also have laser eyes. But they're not really laser eyes, but they're kind of laser eyes. Like what? Like telepathy? Yeah, something like that. It, some, you know, some, something like, yeah, something that they alluded to. Yes. And then there's also Nico Minoru, who is 16 years old. And she was very upset because her mom threw away her black nail polish after she heard Oprah's doctor friends say that kids that wear black nail polish are more likely to do drugs. And her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Minoru, have some kind of like ninja cult robes that they wear. 
and also some kind of weird dealings that we're not quite sure what exactly they are. So when we first saw them, they were all getting ready for this party. And so all the kids were forced to hang out with each other like you do when your parents all have a party and they bring their kids and you're forced to hang out together. So they were like, haven't you always wondered what our parents do when they get together? So it turned out that Alex's dad had built a series of interlocking tunnels in and around his house, which is not a normal thing to do. And Alex explained it as his dad being a security freak. Um, So they went down just in time to see through a false mirror that their parents were all murdering a girl Um. and had some kind of ritual sacrifice. So they all freaked out. They all agreed to meet Carolina at the James Dean Memorial at 1.03 a.m. and placed a call to the police that didn't really go as they intended. So they were like, we need hard evidence. Tried to steal the box with the girl in it. That didn't really work out. And instead... Because, yeah, instead ran into a dinosaur. Yeah, they ran into a dinosaur when they were looking for information at uh, Gert's house. Because I think her parents are the ones that took the box home, right? Yes, yes. The box with the girl, the girl box, the box girl. Girl box, box girl, yeah. So, yeah, there's a (laughs) giant dinosaur and that's where we left off with a septum piercing. Yeah, old lace. Mm -hmm. Old lace, it's old lace. Well, we don't know her name. We don't know her name yet, but she is old lace. But she's old lace. But that leads us to Runaway's number three mm-hmm. and we haven't really changed anything the writer is still uh brian k vaughn the pencils are still done by adrian alfona the inks are still david newbold and the colorist is still brian reber so um they're gonna stick with us for this issue and the next one so yeah i don't know when that when some changes happen but yes <laughs> so the cover for this one again we have the little swishy tsunami logo which I think stays with us for this entire arc. I can't remember when exactly Tsunami folded. This one is, again, painted by Joe Chen, and it is of Carolina Dean in front of the sun and a blue California sky and green meadows, and she is flying. It's nice. I like this one. Yeah. I like this one, I think, a lot more than the other two. Yeah, this is one of my favorite. I mean, like, the Nico one is kind of iconic. I think it's it's like... You know, the thing that people always say about the Mona Lisa, like her eyes draw you in, like that's what is interesting about that cover for me. But color wise, it's not like pop off the page. But in 2003, I think that would have been a lot different than everything else that was appearing on the shelf. But this one is definitely like the even the difference between covers between 2005 and now. Mm hmm. As we went through the Young Avengers covers, like those ones are nothing special in comparison to like how they want you to make covers now, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. And the Joe Chen painted covers, I feel like were not to say that you never saw that, but it was a thing that didn't happen very much. And it definitely like made them stand out. And this one, I really love how like the sunlight is playing off Carolina's flared jeans because this is the early 2000s. Of course, they're going to be flared jeans. Yep. So she's got her hair in a long fishtail braid that's flying out behind her. And she's almost kind of like doing a somersault and the ground is at an angle. So she's flying, doing a flip in front of the camera almost. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Yeah, the sense of motion's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Like I said, I like this one a lot better. But we open up where we left off at the York's residence. And now we're in some change after they all met up. We are at 2.49 a.m. This dinosaur that is hissing at them and everybody's freaking out, basically. (laughs) Yeah, most of all, Gert, who has just found out that her parents keep a dinosaur in the basement. 
<laughs> yeah. And Alex says that nobody moved. They sense motion only. Yeah, like, he does the Chris Pratt thing from Jurassic World. Of course, this is before Jurassic World, but they do directly reference Jurassic Park. Yeah. The, the thing from Jurassic Park, a velociraptor, is what Nico tries to clarify. So... They're taking cues from Jurassic Park on how to deal with dinosaurs, which, I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well. I mean, Carolina is being, like, sniffed by a big dinosaur with giant claws, so she's having a bit of an issue. Yeah, but she doesn't, she's not the one that causes an uproar, because as the dinosaur is sniffing her, Chase takes a lamp and he hits the dinosaur over the head with it. Yeah, he tries to prove that it's CGI. Like, come on. So it lunges at him, of course, and starts to try to eat him. So Gert yells, stop it. And then it turns to Gert with a, like, very puppy dog look on its face. Yes, very. Like when you catch a dog peeing or pooping on the carpet and you tell it no. And it's like, oh, I did that. I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Chase is praying. He's saying in Our Father. (laughs) And the dinosaur is looking up at at Gert, basically, like, okay, what's next? So she tells it to heal. I love, like, the concerned, distressed look on old Lace's face. It's very good. It's just like, like, you know, and that's kind of like the noises that it's making, too. Yeah. And Alex says, how did you do, like, how did you do that, basically? And Gert says, I have no idea. (laughs) So... Nico and Carolina just kind of want to get out of there, but Gert's parents are still upstairs. So Alex tells them that they need to be quiet. And Gert's like, no, it's probably fine because my parents sleep like the dead. Nothing is going to wake them up. And then Alex turns around and sees Gert's parents appear before him. What is it? (laughs) And Alex basically says, "Okay, I'll hold them here. Everybody go. He tries to punch them. Yeah, which wasn't going to work out great, even if they weren't holograms, but they're totally holograms. Yeah. So (laughs) Chase is very confused because he asks, wait, the dinosaur is real, but her parents are CGI? And Nico corrects, "Uh, I think think those are holograms. (laughs) I don't know why Chase thinks everything's CGI in this basement. I don't know what Chase is thinking half the time. I mean, CGI is new and important and shiny and special, so. Okay. What did Toy Story come out, like 1999, something like that? Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, so it's still still pretty new. So I'll go ahead and read what her parents say. Hey, Squirt, I'm sorry, but if you're watching this projection we recorded, your mother and I are probably dead. Hopefully we were able to get the secret chamber's access code to you before we died. Don't be absurd, Stacy. If we didn't get her the code, how would she be watching us now? You think she just accidentally stumbled into all of this? And... Gert starts trying to explain to them, which isn't going to work very well because they're a hologram. (laughs) Presumably, you've already met your pet. Don't be scared. She doesn't bite. Unless there's someone you want her to bite, of course. Before our 4D time portico was destroyed, we traveled to the 87th century and had her commissioned. Cost us a pretty doubloon, so I hope you're grateful. She's been genetically engineered to respond only to your mental commands. She'll protect you from whichever self-righteous do-gooder finally managed to kill us. I'm sure you have lots of questions, but you'll find all the answers you're looking for inside our abstract, the sacred text that guides our organization. It will explain everything we've ever done and everything you need to do now that we're gone. It may seem like gibberish now, but it will all make sense once you've deciphered the text. Just use the decoder ring Mr. and Mrs. Dean gave you when you turned 18. 
So and it kind of fades, and then Gert, the whole whole time, Gert is like looking at this book, and it absolutely looks like like foreign symbols. Yeah, it's like uh, wingdings, and so <laughs> it is. <laughs> I know, but it's just funny. I'm sorry. And Carolina's like, my parents gave you a ring, and Gert's like, no, I'm only 15. I don't know what they're talking about. And then the next panel over, it's basically an explanation of what's going on. I will read the last thing the dad says. You've always known the world was being run into the ground by a bunch of brainless cowards, but the future belongs to great minds like you, so steal tomorrow from them and make it your own. It's like a weird infomercial video. Yeah, a little bit. But it's your evil parents. Like, I'm trying to sell you on this. Yeah. I mean, they are. They're trying to sell her on it. Yeah, but uh, not working. Yeah. Especially, like, five years earlier than... (laughs) (laughs) Well, three. Yeah, still. Yeah. Remember what I said I can't count? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Gert is kind of scritching Old Lace's chin, and Old Lace is doing, like, the cat thing. I love Old Lace's faces. Like, or her, like, eye expressions. Yeah, Like, it's it's very good. It's really good. So, most of them are freaking out. Carolina is extremely dubious of the whole thing. Alex is, like, they're claiming they're time travelers. Chase says they've got psychic raptors in their basement. And Carolina says, how can her parents be evil? They don't even eat meat. (laughs) Which, you know, yeah. I mean, I've known plenty of shitty vegans in my life, so. Exactly. Vegan doesn't make you any better or worse than anyone else on this earth. (laughs) It just means you eat different food. Yeah, exactly. You can be plenty evil if you don't eat meat. And apparently, Gert also points out that Hitler does, which we're getting to, uh, what's that? What's that law on the internet? (laughs) Oh, the, oh, oh, that, yeah, yeah, it's like a, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Can't think of it off the top of my head. They need to get out of there, and Gert wants to take Old Lace, basically, but Alex says no. Yeah, so it's back in the doghouse for Old Lace, and she is unhappy about that, so they go to the Ventura Freeway at 3.38 a.m., so they've been up all night at this point. Yes, and they're driving in Chase's white panel van again. Yeah, so the boys are in the front, and the girls are all in the back, is how this is working. And Chase says, our parents aren't part of some dorky D&D club. They're obviously severely screwed up. Come on, Chase. Just get... I'm still not cutting him any slack. I'm sorry. I mean, he has some He has some valid points here. That if they keep, you know, snooping around in their parents' houses for more evidence, that this is just going to get them into a worse and worse position. Because clearly their parents are supervillains. And Alex is extremely dubious of, like, Chase putting his brain to work in any capacity. So... Yeah. I mean, it's really both their faults for this argument. Yeah. Because Alex basically says that it's not going to ever blow over. We can't just hide until it stops. Yeah, because Chase has a safe house. Yeah, he calls Chase's safe house a clubhouse. And Chase gets particularly pissed off. Yeah, I mean, for all he knows, it might be like he went to some vacant lot and built like no girls allowed club or something. I mean, that seems like something Chase, you know, like little rascal style. Yeah, yeah. But Carolina intervenes and basically tells them we've got to settle down because we're basically the only they're basically the only people that they have right now is each other. (laughs) Yeah, which is fair. And also she points out that her parents aren't home because they caught a red eye to New York. They're going to do a reading of a Broadway play, so they'll be all alone. And Chase thinks Carolina is extremely lucky 
for being able to stay at her house by herself, which is a typical like teenage response. Like, oh, your parents. Yeah, how cool. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) Alex is just rolling his eyes back into his skull when (laughs) Chase says this. And meanwhile, Nico's trying to look at the, the book that they took with them and still not making heads or tails of it. Yeah. But Gert's Gert's looking out the window and she's thinking about, you know, her life and everything up to this point. And so she says, yeah, just thinking about the last animal my parents let me have. It was this Vietnamese pot-bellied pig named Orwell. I love that stupid thing, but my parents hated it. A few years ago, I was playing with him in the backyard, right? I ran into the phone for a second, and when I came out, he was gone. Never saw him again. My mom and dad said I left the gate open, but that's a total lie. They probably went all Lord of the Flies on him as soon as I turned my back. From that moment on, I swore to never trust my parents again. It was so obvious they weren't telling the truth. I mean, I know I locked the gate. And we get a zoom out from the van down the highway, and we see we see old lace like peering through the the bushes on the side of the road. Yeah, on the green space. You just stay there, old lace. We don't need you walking out in the road, buddy. <laughs> Listen, she just wants to find a friend. I know, but she doesn't need to get hit by a car, okay? This is true. This is true. I mean, really, do you think she would honestly? She would defend herself. Yeah, she's not like a deer. I know, but still. No, my my theory is always that they fed the pig to one of their lab experiments. Oh God, yes, that's that's what I always figured happened. Terrible, yeah, absolutely terrible. But we head back. Actually, we head you know to the next page, which is the Dean residence at four fourteen a.m. It's getting very late. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's gone past late. Yeah, they have like a bungalow style house with like a big expansive pool in the back. Like, it's all very, like, low-slung. It's not anything super ostentatious, but it's obviously huge, and it's super private. And as they go into the house, they all split up to look for any evidence that they can find, especially for this decoder ring that the York said that they gave to Gert from Carolina and her Carolina's parents, and, you know, they just kind of start snooping around for it. Yeah, so Carolina's house, I think the houses all also reflect the personalities of all the families. So Carolina's house is very, like, Frank Lloyd Wright, like, 70s-style modern. They have an overlooking balcony that overlooks the main space. They have plants and, like, trees inside. And all the walls are these, like, straight planes with the windows all cut out. And they have, like, this weird, like, modern art all over the walls. Like, tons of modern art of, like, weird creatures and like some cookies stacked up on top of each other and what looks like an anteater jumping off a diving board i don't know kooky okay some kooky ass art yeah so they're they're looking through all the art to see you know if there's a trap door or one of them's hiding a button and chase finds their will yeah okay it was just in his den i don't know maybe he Took it out of a safe when he went to go get some, like, script that he'd put in there. Who knows? Maybe. Okay, is this page with a with the medical symbol and a, like, no sign on top of it? Yeah. Like, this is... Is that... To our beloved daughter, Carolina, we bequeath the following. May she use it wisely. And then there's literally just this picture. And Alex is just what like... Is Alex is like, and then there's just a picture of this, and it's, it's like kind of comedic, actually. Yeah. No, he's got like the womp womp face. 
But then Gert says that's the caduceus. It's a symbol for... And Chase is like, yeah, yeah, we've all been to a hospital before show off. But why has it got the Ghostbusters symbol around it? <laughs> that's actually a good one. Good yeah. job, Chase. Hey, sometimes Chase's pop culture references land. Yeah, and it's the same thing that's in car- that's in- in carved, engraved on Carolina's Met Alert bracelet, which we haven't seen before. Yeah, but she's had to wear it since she was four. And her parents told her never to take it off because she has a deathly allergy. And Alex points out, you know, that, that might not be true. And she says, why would they lie about that? I wonder why. Why would they lie about anything? Yeah. And then so Alex, <laughs> Alex dares her to take off the bracelet. And she's like, this is just their way of saying that they didn't want me to go to med school. <laughs> to which Chase, again, Chase has like Chase has some good points. This is why I love Chase. I'm going to convince people you don't have to love Chase, but he is not like the worst character. No, I'd okay. I like Chase later. Like I like Chase and everything that I've read with the Runaways in it past this point. I'm just slowly sinking into his character right yeah. now. Okay. Well, that's that's kind of like what's happening too. So, because he says parents who don't want their kid to be a doctor, now that's crazy. And so Carolina goes fine and rips it off. And when she rips it off, she turns bright rainbow. Yep, like a, a swirling blue and purple and yellow. And a little bit of orange mixed in. And so she's glowing and not only a rainbow, but like she's like a a human aurora borealis right now. Yeah. And Chase is like, it's beautiful, like a burning painting. And Carolina tells him to get away and is running away and nobody knows what's happening. Kurt posits that she's a mutant, maybe, which, you know, would probably be my first thought as well. Yeah. Then Alex being the super smart de facto leader that he is, says, before they sacrificed that girl, didn't my father say something about Carolina's parents dealing with with off-world enemies? What if your mom and dad, you know, aren't from around here? What are you? You think I'm an alien? Maybe being on this planet gives your parents and you these these powers, but something in your bracelet inhibits those abilities, sort of like crypto... <laughs> And then Chase just like tell <laughs> This is a good one. Yeah, also Chase's like nonplussed face here is really good. <laughs> like I think the first issue like Alphona was trying to get into the swing of things, but he's starting to like the facial expressions only get better and he's starting to get the hang of these characters too, I think in this issue. Yeah. Because Chase says that he's been watching too many WB shows and that that's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And the WB was still a thing. Yep. Those, ha- those Halcon days. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we kind of move past that point and Carolina kind of gets a little bit more upset that she might be an alien. And Gert decides to tell her that her parents are time travelers. So, you know. Well, and Carolina just wishes that, you know, that all of this would go away. So she's like, I didn't want to learn about any of this. I really hope our parents do kill us. And she's getting more and more angry. And then she realizes that her feet are no longer on the ground. And she starts crying tears of relief as she screams, oh, my God, I can fly. Yeah, as she flies upwards in the house. Rockets up to the because they've got, of course, they've got a two story atrium here. Oh, yeah. And we cut away from the kids and we go back to the Parker Center headquarters of the Los Angeles Police Department. 
at 4.19 a.m., which I think is actually, is that a little bit early, a little bit earlier or later than when they show up? At, that's, a, that's right after they show up at Carolina's house. Yeah, like five minutes. Yeah. And it's the same detective that took Alex's call as walking into his superior officer, it looks like. Yeah, who we learn is Lieutenant Flores. And he says, I, you're not in any trouble. I just want to hear about this call that you got earlier, you know, this crank call. And he says, you know, it was nothing. This kid called in and told me his parents were supervillains. And Latoris is like, ha ha, funny. And then the detective starts, you know, talking about the pride. And the lieutenant tells him to take tonight off. He's been double shifting all week. He deserves a night off. Yeah. We said that he looked very tired. He did. Take your slippery cup and go home. Yeah. So he's going to do that. He calls the lieutenant a prince. All right. Some sexual tension happening in the office. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't, either way, I, don't, I think that's a bit of a stretch, Charlie. Um, listen, I've been born and bred to like find subtext where there perhaps is none. But we kind of cut away from that scene, and we get to uh, the Wilder residence back at Alex's house, and his dad picks up four twenty one. Blaze it four twenty. That that's not it, Mikey. You're off by you're off by one. Just minute. missed it for a minute. You just missed it for a minute. But Alex. Stad gets a call, he picks up the phone, and, you know, after asking if the person on the phone knows any idea what time it is, we cut away and we see Lieutenant Flores basically tell him that they've got a problem. Dun, dun, dun. Well, more cliffhangers. Yep. Will we ever read an issue of a book that doesn't have a cliffhanger? I don't don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Although, uh, Lieutenant Flores has a really good line that I am going to read because Mr. Wilder is, you know, understandably upset that he's getting this call. And so Lieutenant Flores says, it's four in the morning, Mr. Wilder. Do you know where your children are? Which is a classic line. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's doing, it has quote marks around it. So he's doing the quote on purpose, but it's still really good. And that leads us to issue number four, where we open, and I'm just going to say this right now, we open with a panel where... Alex's dad is sneaking into Alex's room with a knife, that same knife. Charlie, you do this every time. We have a cover. I know, but this is this p- panel is very concerning to me. It's, it is very concerning. I wasn't ready for like him to almost straight up want to murder his kid. I'm sorry. I mean, his parents are, su- the parents are super villains. I know, Mikey, but the parents are a lot nicer in the TV show. That's true. So that's one of the most common criticisms I've seen of the show is that the parents are much nicer in the show than they are in the comic. In the comic, they are out for blood. So anything goes. Just know that going forward. Okay. But we do get a very nice cover again by the indomitable Joe Chen. So we've got, and this is also an iconic cover. Uh, We've got Gert with a big smile on her face as she hugs old Lace, who also looks overjoyed in her very particular dinosaur way. It's very good. Yes. I love old Lace's face. It's good. Yes. So I'm not going to explain who the kids are again, because we've got that. Again, same creative team. So we haven't changed here. Yeah. Now we go back to... We go back to a program that's already in progress. Yes. So Alex <laughs> has way more... Um, Music posters on this side. He's got Breakneck, who appear to be a female MC and a white dude with like a shaved head on a poster. And then Nothing to Say, who's a woman with headphones on. We've got someone that looks like Michelle Branch, but I know it isn't. It's not. (laughs) And Elevate, 
which I can only assume, which has like a peace symbol in like the lower left hand corner. And I can only I'm, assume. I'm not going to lie. This guy on the poster looks like Adam XCX3. He does a little bit, actually. <laughs> and like a scruffy neck. I mean, who knows what Adam X Extreme was doing between the years 2003 and, you know, now. Yeah, I can't tell. What does this say? Ooh-wee is the name of the person that looks like Michelle Branch. Okay. I had to turn my head sideways and get But the posters aren't the most concerning thing here. The most concerning thing here is, is Alex's dad is going to straight up murder him. Yeah, it's 425 in the morning. He comes in and says, Alex, you asleep, pal? And has a, again, that ritual curved dagger behind his very large back. And his wife is right behind him and tells him to put the knife down. And he says, I'm not going to hurt him, dear. I just want to explain what he saw us doing with this thing. The sacrifice Alex thinks he witnessed was nothing but an illusion. And of course, Alex's bed is fluffed up with pillows and the blanket over it. There's a mannequin head in the bed. And yeah. his mom the, his mom is so concerned that where their son got a mannequin head. Like, come on. And not only a mannequin head, but a male mannequin head. She's... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Come on. Is your biggest concern right now really that your son might be gay and also have mannequins in his room? Clearly, I guess, except for the fact that your husband was about to stab your child, but I guess that one is I mean, a little bit less concerning. She did tell him to put it down, and he did kind of put it down. <sighs> okay. He's still got it in his hand. Yeah. And okay, so Mr. Wilder calls the guy at the LAPD his minion. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, he's on the take. Lieutenant Torres is on the take for sure. I know, but like, it's just funny. After watching the Runaways TV show, I'm like, man, it's just some sort of like cognitive dissonance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with the decisions that they made for the show, but it's definitely like super different. Yeah. And I'm seeing that more. I mean, I do disagree with some of them, but. It's an adaptation. It's not, you know, the same as the original. Yeah. And so yeah. of note is Mrs. Wilder also says, don't forget, Alex is a prodigy when it comes to logic and, and strategy. He could be anywhere by now. The Dean residence, 11 miles away, 428 a.m. Carolina is a giant glowy streak in the sky as she zooms above her pool and zooms past Alex and... She says, don't worry, our nearest neighbor is a million acres away, and then accidentally slams into Chase. Yeah, and he's got this, like, look on his face, dreamy kind of, and Nico's the one that actually helps Carolina up. Yeah, after she crashes into him. And she describes it as being like butterflies in your stomach when you meet someone that then lift you off the ground. Which, you know, to be fair... Sounds like a pretty amazing experience. Yeah, it really does. But she she's still kind of worried that she's an extraterrestrial freak. Yeah, come on, listen. In a world filled with, like, mutants and superhumans. Well, right, but those aren't... Is this really so much of a stretch? I mean, those aren't in LA, though. <laughs> okay. Those are the, like, the normal people problems. Like, we're not normal people. Like, that kind of thing. You know, okay. same, same way right. with the OC. Like That's true. Yeah, I, I feel you. So, you know, they give Carolina back her bracelet and she puts it on. Alex says oversized Tinkerbell. That's what he calls Carolina. He says, what do you mean oversized? Oh, my God. (laughs) He points out that if this is what she can do after a couple minutes, just think of what your parents can do from like an entire life, theoretically, of knowing about their powers. 
Yeah, and everybody, and, and Gert brings up, you know, that's why we need to go get Molly, because Molly's the only one missing, and we can't we can't leave her with her parents. And if they keep the truth from her, are they being any better than her parents? We also argue no. And, you know, Alex basically agrees, and, you know, just wonders how they're supposed to abduct Molly in the middle of the night without freaking her out. Which Chase, to his credit, actually posits that there are some things that could possibly help them back at his place. Yeah. And then Alex says it's not a scavenger hunt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alex Alex has a point, but I mean, at least at least Chase is doing better now at reasoning. So, remember how like Nate and Eli were like two sides of the leader coin? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Chase is a leader here at all, but he and Alex are very good foils for each other because Alex is always trying to think things through logically and Chase is like He's a doomsday prepper. Like, let's just be honest. So he's like, we have to be prepared. We have to get our food together. I have my panel van. Let's go in my, you know, my safe house. I've got some snacks. I've got, you know, your three-year beef jerky, your instant gallon of macaroni and cheese. I got it all. We can live there forever. But we probably need to get some more things before we officially run away. And Alex is just like, we need to take our parents out. They need to see justice. So yeah, yeah, no, it's very, it's it's similar in a couple of ways, in a, in a couple of different ways. They they do agree that they have to go get Molly, and Gert kind of turns around and she says it feels like somebody's watching them. Well, she also is mad that they made her leave her her new pet behind. Yeah, which I would be too, absolutely. And the, again, the leaves part, and there's a little dino face peeking out from them. Very good. They arrive at the Stein residence, because they all agree that, you know, maybe they can go there at 4.55 a.m. And, and they go towards a small shed. That's where apparently Chase's parents spend most of their time. They know I think their work is insanely boring, so it's probably where they'd hide stuff from me. <laughs> and. Chase picks up a shovel and they all sit debating about how to break it open and Chase just busts it open with a shovel. shovel, which I'm not sure that would work. But apparently this place is TARDIS style bigger on the inside. Yes. But, you know, of course it is. <laughs> so they've got all sorts of what looks like a sentinel head, like all sorts of electronic bits and bobs. Yeah, there's definitely a robot on the table. Yeah. And they've got something that looks like a like a Muppet. But a robot like sitting on the shelf as well. Um, some kind of weird sensory deprivation chamber. Reminds me of the thing like from Psychonauts <laughs> in the background. Yeah, basically. And Gert's just like, how did your parents end up with someone who's like you? But she says it nicer <laughs> than that. She says so athletic. And yeah, he's like, I might not be book smart, but I am street smart. To which Gert replies, which street? Sesame? <laughs> That one made me laugh a lot when I read it. It was really good. And they're kind of just checking out the lab and, you know, Nico sees a brain floating in a tank and Chase picks up some goggles and they're x-ray goggles. So, of course, he uses them to look at the ladies because he's Chase. But he is interrupted by someone saying, take those off this instant, young man. Who is Mrs. Stein. It's the parents because they have all... Mr. and Mrs. Stein have showed up, but also Mr. and Mrs. Minoru have showed up. And Mrs. Stein says, you are grounded until graduation. And Mrs. Minoru says that that also goes for Nico. And they're all extremely surprised to see their parents there, of course. 
and Nico says, Mom and Dad, what are you what are you doing here? Alex's mother narked on all of them, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course, of course. And Nico's mom is like totally putting on a front here and asks if they're making ecstasy in the lab. And <laughs> drugs. Mr. and Mrs. Stein, I think, take a little bit of offense to that. Yeah. And then we turn to Chase, who's his expression here is like a thousand percent the Hercules movie. <laughs> like when Hercules tries to flirt with Meg, it's like that the trying to look so smooth despite being like the least smooth person on the face of the planet earth uh yeah and so he has his fists up he's got those x-ray goggles on and he's got his fists up with these like giant mitts that have like robo fingers and like these big things that hook on to the backs of them and he's kind of like or what you know like what are you gonna do if we don't we don't do what you say and then uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stein freak out because Chase has put on what they call fistigons. And Mr. Stein uses his Apple Watch like 12 years before that was a thing. To <laughs> tase Chase, basically. Yeah, basically. Which, yeah, it's got like little taser, taser lasers that shoot out from it and hit him in the chest. And Carolina's concerned about what happened and Alex rips her bracelet off her. And says, get ready for Tinkerbell. <laughs> and, you know, she lights up with this bright orange and yellow light. And Mr. Minora is like, damn it. They know about the Dean girl. And apparently everybody knows about everything because Alex says so. Yeah, or claims they do. To which Mrs. Minoru replies, oh, I highly doubt that child. And she reveals that they have been under an illusion the whole time because they are all... Both the Steins and the Minoru's parents are outfitted for a fight. They yeah. just looked like normal parents. And, and they trap Carolina in some sort of, like, torrent of water. Yeah. Mr. Minoru says some magic words. And he's got, like, a eldritch tome in his hands. Also, Mrs. Stein has, like, 90s Liefeld, like, pauldrons on her shoulders. Yeah, her arm looks like Cable's arm, strangely. Yeah. It's it's funny. <laughs> Mr. Stein just looks like the same dude, but in like a puffy rain jacket and with a backpack and some goggles on. He doesn't look any less like ridiculous than he already did, like any less dorky. Oh. He just looks like dorky, but with yeah. a jacket on, <laughs> like dorky, but going on a hike. Yeah. And, and Nico wants to know why her parents are acting like this, because they used to take her to they take her to church every Sunday. And Mrs. Minoru says, faith is a complicated thing, sweetie. But if you believe anything, believe that this is going to hurt me much more than it hurts you. And she like stabs her staff into Nico, to which it promptly starts to absorb into her chest. Yeah. And Nico tells her mom to snap out of it and clamps her on the head with the robot head. <laughs> and her because her mom's stunned what's happening it looks kind of like warlock but like less interesting that robot head y yeah actually it looks like widget yeah widget that's yeah it looks like widget that's what it looks like it does look like widget i think it's probably supposed to be a widget head as like a callback i think yeah i think you're probably correct and they threaten discipline on the kids if they don't stop it right now and gert's like having a panic attack on the floor it looks like and the Steins promise that they don't have any intention of hurting her if she just comes with them right now. Then Mr. Stein hears a weird noise, so he turns around and sees it's a lace. 
jumping to her defense. Yeah, old lace jumps into the panel and starts to basically starts to maul him. Yeah, and Gert looks ecstatic. <laughs> and Mr. Minoru wants the animal to die, so he says as much. And Nico like starts chanting some shit. <laughs> yeah, Nico just like smacks the book out of his hand. It says, don't, you'll break my concentration. But I mean, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And all the water falls off from around Carolina, who were, well, they were apparently trying to drown her. At least it looked, it looked as much, at least. Yeah. And Alex tells her basically to use her powers against Misty Minoru. And she's like, I can't do that. That's Nico's dad. And Alex is like, they're trying to kill us. Yeah. So she actually does and manages to like, Hit him in the face with, with some with finger the, guns. With the finger guns, which is, you know, I would do the same thing if I had like beams of light. Yeah. Come on, let's I'll be honest here. And after Gert manages to get Olace kind of off Chase's dad. After a slight mauling. A slight mauling, they end up needing to go because obviously they have to go and Nico's mom's staff is stuck in her now for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so so they end up kind of escaping so what happened to chase did they take him yeah they take they take they take him he was still passed out so oh, right, they right. put him in the van and carolina's driving badly he's tased right there he is he's that lumpy muppet okay i see now yeah yes yeah and he's he wakes up and sees old lace's face right in his she just wants to check on that you're okay buddy yeah probably also because looks mildly angry feels like yeah it looks i i, I posit that she's up in Chase's face because Gert is kind of concerned about him. Yeah. Old Lace's face is like the chihuahua that you tell to like stay down and it's still like you're an intruder, but like I'll do what my owner says. That's extremely the face that <laughs> if you just think of like Old Lace as a chihuahua and a raptor's body, that's basically right on the money. <laughs> She's an extremely small dog in the body of a raptor. But it's it's still good. And Alex explains that parents assaulted him, like, to Chase, and Chase is basically, well, what's new? Which is extremely depressing. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is their life now, and Alex says as much, but Gert is getting a phone call, which she thinks is weird. Which is weird, because her phone's not even on. Yeah. <laughs> she gets a call, and it says, Gertrude, your father and I are very disappointed in you. You have to stop playing these games. I'm afraid we'll have no choice but to do something terrible to your young friend, Molly. And Molly is asleep. Molly's asleep with another with a, another callback because that is absolutely a dupe yep, plushie. Yep, super dupe. Yep, which is very good. Yep, and what's not very good, what's very bad actually, is her weird ninja parents, uh, Mr. or Doctor and Doctor, excuse me, Hayes. Yes, have their glowy laser eyes on, and they have their hands over Molly in her bed. And Miss Doctor, Mister Doctor Hayes, <laughs> has an axe in his hand. It's actually that's uh, Gert's dad. Oh, sorry. Has an axe in his yeah, hand. yes. But still, they have an axe. Either way, that they're an holding axe. over Molly, <laughs> as I presume they use their telepathic powers to keep her asleep. Mm-hmm. Guess if you're gonna murder a child, that's what the one way to do it. I guess. Yep, and that is the cliffhanger <laughs> that we leave off on on issue four. Yes, yes, it is. My God. Yeah, I told you this. This goes some places very fast. In fact, it does it's. <sighs> Like I said, it's just like kind of weird that I guess I didn't necessarily like the parents in in the TV show, but like they were definitely not like this. 
Yeah, see, the premise of the comic for me was kind of all the worst fears that you've ever had about your parents are true, and also they're even worse than you could have imagined. And, yeah, you know, you can make kind of peace with your parents being shitty, but, like, it puts the kids in this weird position because it's like, not only are they every bit as shitty as you ever thought that they were, they're also super villains, but you still love them. Yeah. So it's a real tough conflict because you have to to make peace with the people that have loved and cared for you all your life even if you don't agree on things actually really don't have your best interests at heart which i think is really interesting compared to like and difficult yeah it's interesting compared to a lot of other stuff where yeah your parents suck and like you find out that they suck but they're not super villains (laughs) because it's actually like not super easy to just you know up in abandon all of that as we have seen from all these kids like nico being confused that her parents who as far as she knew were regular church-going christians are now saying eldritch chants and wearing cult robes and you know having like a weird book that casts spells and a, a staff that is now inside of her yeah and gert is like well my parents suck but i didn't think they sucked this much and also they got me a telepathic dinosaur companion to take control of la with they're all like incredibly extra but also incredibly evil and bad yeah it's not a good it's not a great situation yeah it also the one thing i did forget is how fast it goes from zero to ten here yeah it really does like i was not expecting this end of this issue to end on the fact that they were probably going to kill molly and i didn't rest i didn't st- like realize it was going to start with like alex's dad like going to probably murder him if he found him in that bed yeah it's nice that the tv show isn't a thousand percent beat for beat exactly what the comic was because a as i said before like that wouldn't be interesting as an adaptation but it's also nice because then you can come and you can still have your expectations subverted here yeah you are you are correct it, i think it is really interesting In the show, it almost seems, from what we've seen, like you may have, you know, uncovered a bit of what we are, but we still want to like groom you to become the people that we are. Whereas like in the comic, they are like, you found out our secret, we have to kill you. Yeah. And there is a reason in the comic for that, that we will get to very shortly. So do not worry. All of your questions will be explained. I assumed they would be. Yeah. So that leads us to everyone's favorite segment, this or that. (laughs) I read the covers out last week. Oh, I know. I just want you to look at these. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, You want to tell me what these are, Charlie? Tell our dear listeners as well. (laughs) I will. This week comes from us from um, Papa72546, absolute friend of the show. And he's given us many of these. So... They're just really good. This week, Papa asks us, Hey, Charlie and Mikey, which robot comic has a better story, do you figure? And then we enter these these covers. Tell us what's on this first one, Charlie. This one is Marvel Comics Presents, not Presents, doesn't say that, but it is issue number two of Machine Man, the living robot. It's the second sensational issue, and it is it's machine man writing some sort of like <laughs> I can't even 
get through this. He's like riding some sort of or is some sort of wheeled vehicle. Yeah, so you've heard of the hit PlayStation game Driver, You Are the Wheel Man. This is You Are the Wheel. Because he his leg his ankles are are in there. Yeah, yeah, his ankles are in there. He's definitely part of this machinery. It's a trike. He's ramping over a bunch of He's ramping over a bunch of police officers. And he's saying, You caught me, but you can't hold me. I'm free. And he's just ramping over all of them. Is he I think he's knocking the toupee off of one of the police officers too. He he absolutely is. He absolutely is. And the one on the very the one on the very bottom corner is my favorite police officer. The one with the, his mouth open. <laughs> I cannot emphasize to you how funny this cover is. I'm just going to. Also, there's like a mesa in the background that has shattered. Looks like it's or is yeah, it a it wall? Looks like it's shattered. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it's shattered. And Machine Man's up in the corner box here, striking a pose, doing the stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Like, I don't know much about Machine Man. The foreshortening on that arm leaves a lot to be desired, I think. I know Machine Man still is in comics. I do know that. But I don't think he's part... <laughs> I don't think he's part car anymore. Uh, so this comic cost 35 cents. 35 cents. So that might tell you about, about when this came out. Because I don't know. And I'm going to keep it a mystery. So... Really quick, I I feel like the trike here, it looks like a segue, like years before it's time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this was the comic that inspired it all. <laughs> I you know what? I think I think that's gonna be what I'm gonna go for. Okay. This next one is a DC comic and at the top it says Weird War Tales, starring G.I. Robot. The G.I. Robot. The, the G.I. Robot. Well, I, I'm really glad that both of these comics were approved by the Comics Code Authority. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This one is 60 um, cents, so it's more valuable, clearly. It's more valuable. And the G.I. Robot, and it says below, in the grip of the sumo robot. And it has, has, a, has two robots on the front fighting. Like a sumo wrestler robot and a... Robot that kind of looks like if Doctor Doom took his like the part like the very front of his mask off, but he was like, and he's like body slamming this other robot on the ground, and there are a couple men in the background who were like staring at this scene. Yeah, the the <laughs> robot that's being dunked on also is wearing like a green army uniform and like pouch belt. Also looks very distressed, yeah. which, like, I can't... He look. I mean, I would be, too. Let's just face it. The, the sumo robot has a metal bun, which... It's a lot. <laughs> also, I feel like the people are the people... So one of these guys is in green in the background, and he's being restrained by two people in purple with, like, domino masks on. But I feel like they're also supposed to be like they have these weird hats. And I feel like it's a really shitty parody of like what people from Asia look like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because and I say that specifically because this is not these aren't Japanese characters. I don't think I think it's like capital A Asia. Yeah, you are probably 100 percent correct. Because this this looks like a thousand percent in the era of we're still doing that. I mean. Not that we don't yeah, even do that yeah. today, but like the heyday of it. Heyday of it, absolutely. And uh, this is number. If this is number one hundred and twenty-two of, of this the of the series, GI robot so. or Weird War Tales of the GI robot, it's uncertain. Uh, 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 
I think it's weird war tales because this one is specifically starring the GI robot. I don't know. I would like to believe that DC? there's 122 issues of the GI robot. Yeah, robot. Yeah, true. Hopefully none of them, not all of them are this sumo robot who maybe is vaguely racist. Um, maybe not even vaguely. Yeah. Also, but... now that I'm thinking about it, like the robot's eyes have a kind of slant to them. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, this is taken on a whole different uh... tone. But, you know, it's it, it would be good if not for it's a good concept. Bad racism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's less racism in your comics, everyone. Thank you. I'm I'm all for robots fighting and dunking on each other and wrestling because then you can feel you can cheer them on and feel good about them fighting because it's like they're not going to get hurt because like robots, they might have personalities and be like people, but you can rebuild them because you have the technology. Exactly. So which one's about a robot comic? Do I figure I'm just, you know, racism aside, which it's never really aside. Uh. I have to I have to absolutely go with this Machine Man cover. Absolutely. Machine Man invents the Segway and breaks out of prison? Question mark? Yeah, he breaks out. You know what? They put him in they put him in prison because his ideas were too good. Yeah. The patent police got him. That's what happened. Yeah. So he had to he had to bust out of there and he knew he he could. So I mean, question Mikey, did was the Machine Man a machine before he went to prison or do you think they did that to him there? I think I think he they entomb him in a in a robot man because he had too many good ideas. They might have done that. I think I think I like that idea. I was going to go with was always a machine, but I like the idea cuz he is the living robot as opposed to the dead robot. So, true. Clearly he has the mind and soul of a man inside of him, of a human. And don't at me. I don't know anything about machine <laughs> man and I don't care. So, don't at me about it. Yeah, this is this is totally. I know Machine Man was recently in Deadpool's Mercs for Money. I know this. I don't know about Machine Man <laughs> Listen, continuity. Last time we Sorry. said that the Sentinel was basically like what, like a kaiju guy, or, or you mean? Oh, oh, you mean the uh, like he could transform into different kaiju or the Spectre? Sorry, the Spectre. Yeah, he was like Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't care. So like to me, the Machine Man, at least in this context was a man he was a man who invented the Segway in in the 20th century and they said oh no 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 you can't do that you aren't allowed to invent that and they put him in a robot body because they thought that that would be punishment enough like kind of like robocop style yeah. right so they were um, gonna make him no then he... they were gonna make him the robocop that's what was okay, gonna happen okay. that's why there's all these police that's why he's ah, busting. I see. Yeah, he was going to be the RoboCop. All right. Well, good on him then. And they tried to teach him to kill, but all he wanted to do was build a Segway tricycle. Look at this man. Like, how could, how could you put him in jail? How could you make him kill? Who are you to do that to this poor he machine man? He couldn't because he's free. He's free. Yeah. He's not going to do this. He's gone. Free he's motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. But... This is, yeah, no, so, uh, yeah, go get uh, Machine Man a uh, number two. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> or don't. You probably can't find this. Mate, I don't know. I mean, it might actually um. be rare, because it's, like, a weird thing that, like, only specific people would be into. Not that we are not used to that. That's my, yeah. Here on this podcast, but. Yeah, but that's my, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yep. Agreed. Yep. All right, thanks. Thanks for more. Thanks for all the covers, Papa. Keep doing what you're doing.
bless you, Machine Man, for doing what you're doing, giving us all... Yeah, thank you for giving us a segue. Easy and accessible transport. Yeah, thank you for giving us a segue, and absolutely thank you for making group tours in cities, like, probably better. Mm-hmm. Because people don't have to walk, and they can use segways now. Also, segways are a very good accessibility device for people that can stand, but can't maybe, like, balance or, like, use their legs for anything other than standing. So very helpful, actually. Very good. Very helpful. Thank you, Machine Man. Thank you, Machine Man. For making our lives better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. But all all right. So that's been the episode. (laughs) That's been the episode. It's been a wild ride, y'all. So now you know what my week was like. But (laughs) if you would like, you can. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to tell us how much you enjoy it, you can leave a uh, rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'm still up in the air on to what Google Play does or does not let you do. So if you want to do something there and you can, please, um, it's very helpful and it helps us out a lot if you'd like to leave any um, reviews or ratings. So thank you. Or, you know... If you're confused about all of these rating systems and don't feel like dealing with the eldritch horror that is iTunes's region lock system, yes. feel free to tweet about us on Twitter. Feel free to tag us. We are at Young Ones Cast on Twitter. So if you like what we're doing and you're on Twitter, you know, feel free to tell us that you enjoyed the show or tell your friends about it if you think it's something that they would enjoy too. We get a lot of those tweets and get a lot of those kind of mentions and always warms our hearts to know that you folks are enjoying it because we do it for us, but we also do it for you because, yeah. Yeah, please tell a friend. We don't advertise this anywhere, but us here advertising right now and- Grassroots. Yeah, a grassroots movement, if you will. So please tell your friends. Much like the Machine Man is a self-made man, we are a self-made podcast. He's my hero. He's my hero now. We'll make our Twitter icon that. Sorry, Shatterstar. It's it's Machine Man. When is Machine Man going to be in a Deadpool movie? Never. What if they put him in a Deadpool movie, though? Because he's a Deadpool. I can't say that now. (laughs) I can't say that now with any certainty. Nothing. Anything goes. Anything goes. Anything goes. But uh, no, Shatterstar 5 ever. Yes. Never. I will never replace you. But uh, you can find me personally at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. And I'm there. I'm living there. Mostly screaming about Shatterstar these times. Mostly. And it's not going to change, my friends. May's a long way from now. <laughs> so it'll just keep escalating. So if you think that's something that you'd like to read, I do talk about other things. Sometimes I talk about other X-Men. Sometimes I talk about my life, which it's just what it is, y'all. You might even have cosplay pictures soon. Yeah, I will actually have some cosplay pictures up. You should, if you're not following Charlie, tell us what you're cosplaying at Katsukon, Charlie. Okay, so I will be on Friday, Katsukon. If you're there, shout out to Katsukon. I go to it every year. I will be cosplaying um, Taco from the Adventure Zone on Friday. And on Saturday, I will be cosplaying the Scarlet Witch. So I will be doing those two cosplays. And you will find pictures if you go to my Twitter. Are you going to try to make it to the Marvel shoot? I'm going to try. If they don't, like... We'll see how I'm feeling. Didn't they, like, cancel it last year and then it was on a staircase or something weird? Yeah. Yeah, it got messed up. The shoots last year had some scheduling issues for everyone. It wasn't anyone's fault. I will try and get there and we'll see what pictures I can... We'll we'll see what I can read out of of the Marvel shoot. Most of the time, it's just lots of Avengers cosplays. I did see a Rad Chamber cosplayer at Kazakhan a couple years ago. Yeah, I have pictures of that one. That, That was really cool. 
So we'll see what I can't find there. It's always interesting to see, just to walk around and see what I can find at a Marvel shoot, considering there are many things you could possibly find there. I will also be there. I will not be cosplaying because I I just am not. Because cosplay is hard? Yeah, because cosplay is hard and I prefer to, you know, I can only do like one hobby at a time. So this, yeah, it's difficult. this and role-playing game development are my hobbies right now. So also getting back to work isn't really a hobby, but it's something that was important. And I did that. Yes. So did it. Done. Done. So I'll probably just be holding your stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, thank you. Other than holding your, your, your accoutrement at Katsukon this coming weekend, I am at quantum dot dot on Twitter, where I talk about streaming and tabletop role playing, both playing and designing thereof, and tons of other stuff. I've been trying to retweet a bunch of like, Twitch is doing actually a really cool thing for Black History Month. I'm not sure if it's the first year that they've done it. So if you like watching live streams, I think like every day there's like a different streamer on the front page to showcase streamers of color and black streamers specifically. So if that's something that you're into, like cool, chill people playing good games and stuff like that, you know, check it out. That's one thing I will promote this week because it's something I've been watching and all the folks that I've watched have been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I know we're we're going into it, but there was also a Gambit shout out to the Gambit cosplayer. We'll be talking about this more in the next episode. Um, sincerely, J.A. on Twitter did an excellent female Gambit cosplay. Yeah. It was retweeted for 28 days of black cosplay or something. I forget the exact uh, hashtag. My apologies. But it is one of the most rad X-Men cosplays I think I've ever seen. <laughs> like, no joke. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But that's next episode. You have to look forward to some very good takes on alternate universes. Yeah. I'm super excited to see more cosplay this weekend, though. Super stoked. Love. It'll be good. Yes. I'm glad. But yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks. And that, that, that's it. <laughs> that, that's it. Tune in next week for the episode that we are recording back to back with this one that will be... <laughs> I know. We have to pretend like it's not. Listen. Mention of disbelief. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll cut Come it on. to maintain the secret. But <laughs> next week, we will be doing a special episode. So you can look forward to that. But not a very, very special episode. No. But just a good special episode. Not a this sucks and we, we're sorry kind of special episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.